Hey everyone, it is a blessing to be with you. Thank you for joining us. I know there's a, a few things that are on my heart. I come to you with, with heaviness, as it seems like it happens to always be in this time in, in 2020. I think of the conflict in Armenia, and I think of our Armenian brothers and sisters uh, within our church and my friends who are Armenian. I know that everyone's heart is, is heavy, uh, specifically right now as that conflict is heating up. And we pray with you. I ask you, if you have Armenian friends um, in your community, which I'm sure that you do, please reach out to them. Make sure that they are okay. That is an extremely a difficult thing that is weighing on the hearts of our friends and neighbors. So please lift that situation up in prayer. I also think of Donald Trump and Melania testing positive for COVID, and we think of those around the world who have COVID-19 and are struggling right now with this disease. So let me pause right now this morning and pray specifically for those two things. God, we are thankful that your presence and spirit is, is here with us. We pray for the conflict in Armenia as it is heating up, and I know that I have friends and neighbors who are very concerned. I think of conversation I had this week with Anait, uh, our, our dear sister here, and uh, I lift all those who, whose hearts are very heavy uh, right now in that situation. We pray for peace, and uh, we pray that your kingdom would reign more and more on this earth and in this conflict specifically right now. We pray for um, the president and the first lady um, as they are experiencing symptoms of COVID-19, and all those who are experiencing symptoms right now and going through this extremely difficult time of disease, which is so hard to get through and isolating, and uh, we pray that the coronavirus epidemic uh, would stop uh, as soon as possible, that your healing would reign on this earth, and that uh, your good news would come uh, to this earth as, as soon as possible, God. So please be with all those who are affected. Your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Uh, something that's coming up that I I'm looking forward to, that I would love for you to participate and be involved in in a couple weeks We'll be doing our service outside uh, for Sunday evening at 6 p.m. So that's going to be October 18th. We would love to have you come and join us for that. It's going to be different than our live stream. We will do our typical live stream service in the morning, and then we'll have a chance to be outside and gather together more information to come. But I know that I am dearly missing seeing so many of your faces, and it'll be a chance for us to stay socially distanced and to worship together. And again, it'll be a different service than what we'll be having uh, in the morning, but a way for you to connect with God and also with each other. I know it'll be very meaningful to me, so I hope that you can join us mark your calendars for October 18th at 6 p.m. And please look for more information in my emails, but we'd love to have you join us. We're continuing our series called God is Here, thinking about the presence of God. And over the next couple weeks, I'm going to think about uh, the Holy Spirit and talk about uh, the presence of the Spirit in our lives, because I think that's something that we all struggle with and we don't understand. I think in our very modern world, some of the uh, ways that we need to have a greater understanding of the mystery of God being with us at all times. Jesus, as he gathers his disciples in the Gospel of John and gives them one final pep talk, uh, he tells them this. He says, Very truly, I tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I have to be honest with you. This is one of the things I struggle with the most that Jesus says. And I think the disciples struggled with it as well. They didn't fully understand what this meant. And I think I still try to work it out in my, lives because, in my life because I look at this and say, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus, it'd be better if you were here. 
in your body. If you were here, like, and I had, you know, a hard theological question, you could just tell me the answer. Although if I'm honest, when I look at the scriptures, Jesus just confuses people uh, more than giving direct answers often. But I think about, man, Jesus, if you were here, you could solve a lot of problems. I mean, first of all, I would bring you the gluten problem in our world. Like, let's get some good gluten so our friends like me and Sonia can have a little bit of uh, stuff and be fine eating bread again. I don't have celiac, but it does happen that if I have a few crackers the next day, I don't feel quite as good, which is a huge shift because when I was in college, I could eat whatever I wanted. I once did a challenge with some friends. They said, I don't think you could eat a Tommy's burger with chili cheese fries and a dozen Krispy Kremes. And I said, all right, I'll try. And so I tried, and unfortunately, I failed. I made it through the chili burger. I made it through the chili fries, and I made it through seven of the 12 Krispy Kremes. Um, So some of you are are horrified and doing the calorie count on that. It's horrific. And the next day, I got to tell you, I woke up feeling fine. I wasn't feeling too good in the moment, but I woke up feeling fine. Now, if I just look at a cracker sometimes, like I just don't feel all that good the next day. So that'd be something I'd be like, Jesus, come on. Like if you could feed 5,000 people, you can fix the gluten issue uh, that we have. That would be fantastic if you were still here. But Jesus says to his disciples who are scared and confused and don't fully understand this, it is better for you that I leave so that this mysterious spirit and presence would then come to be with you all the time. You believe that? You believe Jesus on that? And if you do, if you answered yes to that, then how are you living that out? That God's presence is with you at every single moment. What does it look like that God is with you in the the good times, the bad times? How are you tapping more and more into the presence and spirit of God? Because if you believe in Jesus, Jesus says this, And it's important for those who first heard it, and it's probably more important for us to understand that God's spirit and presence is an amazing gift that Jesus says is for you and me. Paul, as he writes a letter to a church in Ephesus, says this this way. He says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And that doesn't leave you the freedom to get drunk on whiskey. Just don't get drunk. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, this is how you should Live. Live with an infusion of God's spirit and presence. If I was to ask you a question about, like, what is your biggest problem? What could solve all of your problems? I think that someone like you or someone like me would say, money. If I just had an unlimited amount of wealth, then I could solve all my problems. Then I could just be happy and, yeah, I'd give God some of it, maybe a little bit. But if I had all this wealth, and to be honest, it's likely if you're watching this, you're in probably the top 2% of the world's wealth, even though it doesn't feel like you're very wealthy. But most people in undeveloped countries live on less than $2 per day. So if you're doing a little bit better than that, then you're probably more wealthy than you think. But all of us have this understanding of, like, what is it that 
would solve all my problems. I saw a great interview with Jim Carrey and Jimmy Fallon several years ago on Fallon's show, and Jim Carrey actually said, I wish that I could snap my fingers and make everyone in the world extraordinarily wealthy, because then they would realize that their hearts still long for something more, and they lacked something even though monetarily they had everything. And Carrey said that as a very, very wealthy individual. And I know you're likely thinking, wow, that would be a great problem to have. But what is it that you would say, oh, that's my biggest problem. That's my issue. If I could just solve that, if it's like a career move or making a certain amount of money, or if I could just be married, or if I could just have like not made that decision, then I'd be so much happier. Paul says the days are evil. That's why Paul says life is difficult. And I know for me, as I think about 2020, it's a time that I'm confronted with the evil that's around, the evil that isn't just outside of me that I can be a part of. As I think about the struggles that our world is having with coronavirus. I think about racial injustice in our world. As I think about politics and the seemingly very tense way that we are navigating a difficult and divided time. So I think about the conflict in Armenia. It seems like almost every week in 2020 we're carrying very heavy backpacks and another 100 pounds gets added on. And we think, can we even take another step. And again, I think what Paul would say we're confronting is not just like a really bad year. We're confronting and seriously thinking about the evil that exists in our world and not just outside of us, the evil that oftentimes we can be part of. Does this feel weighty to you? And Paul's answer is very interesting. Because the days are evil, be filled with the Spirit of God. That isn't necessarily the first answer that I would go to. Like, I have these things that I think these would figure out my problems. These would fix this. If God, you could just do this. But Paul says this is how you should understand true living. It's living with a deeper understanding joy and a way to abide in the presence and nature of God. Some of the contrasts that he sets up here are interesting. He says, do not get drunk off wine because that leads to debauchery. And again, that's not a, an okay to get drunk off something else. It's be very careful with your relationship with alcohol. And I don't take that lightly, especially during this year, which is extraordinarily difficult. I know that alcoholism is, is on the rise. I saw an article that talked about how people are drinking on average two more evenings uh, before, like before, in the post-COVID time than in the pre-COVID time, partly because we don't have anywhere uh, to go. And something that I would ask you to truly consider, something that I think has, has helped me as I've thought about having a healthy relationship with alcohol is asking the question, if I'm going to have a drink, am I having this because of a celebration and, and joy? Or am I doing this because I'm trying to solve some ache in my heart? And it's an interesting 
way that Paul sets this up. Don't get drunk off wine because you should live by the Spirit. But why do people have another drink? Or whatever it is that you use to escape the pain of this world. And this isn't a moment to just think about, well, at least I'm not addicted to that. Because we're all addicted to something. What addiction do you reach for that just causes you to escape the world a little bit? Because that's what happens when we drink too much. That's what happens when we try to solve our problems with food. That's what happens when we just are addicted to technology and not doing the thing that we're needing to do, perhaps, and just avoiding the thing that we do need to act on. Paul says, don't live a life just avoiding the things that you need to do, even though they are hard. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be open to God's Spirit and presence. Paul says, this is going to not necessarily make all of your problems go away, but it's going to help you to walk through your problems and your situation. And he says, be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled is, is a fascinating word. I wish I had a whiteboard that I could write all this up for you. The word that is used there for filled is an imperative, which means it's a command. So like a word that you would say, like do something, like go and take care of this. But it's also in the passive voice. So it's not something that you do on your own, and it's in the present tense. So it's just a fascinating word. So all you grammar nerds out there, you're just nerding out. How is that even possible? A command that is passive and in the present tense. Well, what it means is this is something that we open our hearts to, and it's a continual thing. It's not just that you do it once and then everything's better. It's this continual thing saying, God, I am open to your presence and leading in my life. God, how do you want me to spend my money? How do you want me to spend my time? What should I do about that relationship that's broken and hurting? And just being open and saying, God, I want you to lead me. I don't want to lead this on my own. Did you ask that question of something that's hard in your life right now? And say, God, I want your spirit to lead this and not my own selfishness. On October 9th, 2010, I got married in this very room. So yes, our 10-year anniversary is coming up on Friday. Here's a picture of the two of us. I look much younger then. I always think, wow, I was leading a church at that age. Who led that guy? That guy isn't even legal to drive. Mandy hasn't aged a day, of course, and I'm so thankful for the relationship that we have and excited to celebrate 10 years of marriage with her. But I remember after we got married thinking, I don't feel more like a husband. It's kind of like when you turn a milestone age, like, can you believe you're 21 or can you believe you're 30? And you don't really feel all that different. I remember thinking like, yeah, she's now with me all the time, which is awesome because we were about 30, living about 30 minutes apart. So that was really an awesome moment for me. But I remember thinking like, I don't necessarily feel like a husband. And she had some things probably, she's like, I don't know that I'm sure about this. The day after our wedding, uh, she saw me looking at my phone without my glasses or my contacts in, and it was like this close to my face. And she's like, did I just marry a completely blind person? And unfortunately, uh, she had. And I was like, well, you already did the vows. Like, you sorry, you can't, can't change now. And as I think about my marriage with her, what I did that day is I said, I do. And some of you were there for that moment. And I became a husband, but what it was for me was a trajectory for my life. Things hadn't like 
foundationally changed in me as a person, but it became a trajectory of my life that I hopefully try to live into every single day. It's a picture of who we are called to be as spirit-led people. That we aren't going to get it right all the time. We're going to have some steps forward and some steps back. But being spirit-led people, as Paul calls us to be in the imperative, passive, present tense, is saying you have a certain trajectory for your life. This is now who you are called to be. And God's spirit and presence is with you. Live in the fullness of that. Gain a deeper understanding of what that means. Walk with God right now. I've heard it said this way before. The world doesn't need more people going to church. Though church can be a place where we are reminded of God's spirit and presence and encouraged to do that, I think we do need to show up for each other. The world doesn't need just some people going someplace for an hour in the week. The world needs people who are in touch with the spirit who are allowing God to lead them, who are allowing the very presence of Jesus to lead them. And as you have conflicts in your neighborhood or at work, or you hear somebody talking about the difficulty of this year, you are around that person and have a certain kind of presence because of who God is. And in a very real way, someone who talks with you, has a relationship with you, feels God is here. God is in that person. After the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's the book of Acts, which is like the Empire Strikes Back to the book of Luke, because Luke writes both of them. And Luke is a doctor. He's very, very specific. And so Luke is very long as a gospel. And then uh, the book of Acts is Luke's continuation is he talks about the works of God in the world. And if you were looking through your Bible and saw the full name, the full name of the book of Acts is Acts of the Apostles, like what God is is doing amongst the apostles. But really, I would argue that a better understanding of that book is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to read the book of Acts this week and to spend some time in it because you just see God's spirit and presence leading people to do unbelievable things. There's a passage after Peter and John have been released from prison. And I got to be honest with you. If we had a couple people at our church who like got out of prison and they had been in prison because of spreading their faith and doing things in the name of Jesus, I think we have a prayer meeting, we have a celebration, and we say, you know, let's cool it for a while, you know, like Anchorman, you might want to lay low for a while, dude. (laughs) Let's chill out, Peter and John, let's just relax, let's not do anything too crazy, because like you just got out of prison, so we need to lay low as a movement for just a minute. As As a leader, I think that's what I would do. But after Peter and John are released from prison, Acts 4, 31 says this, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Again, if I'm in that moment, I'm just saying, all right, you know, God, thank you for that deliverance, but, you know, let's take a few weeks off. And you see that God's Spirit is encouraging the early church, to speak the word of God more boldly. 
And actually, as this persecution has happened, it's like God is saying to them, yeah, you're on the right track, even though this is hard. And this is what the Holy Spirit, I believe, enables us to do. Because as I read this, it doesn't make sense to me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It leads us to live lives that simply don't make sense. It leads us to be people who walk by faith, who live in a hard year like 2020, understanding that, yes, God is still here and with us. And I'm going to turn off my phone and walk away from some of the stuff that is stressful and hard for a few minutes a day to remember that God's presence is with me because that's what Scripture teaches. And Jesus says to all of us, it's better that I would go so you can experience the presence of God more and more. Francis Chan, who's a fantastic uh, speaker and a Christian leader, wrote a book a few years ago called Forgotten God. And his main contention is that in the Western U.S. church specifically, we have forgotten the Holy Spirit. If you go and show up on a typical Sunday morning, you're going to hear God talked about. You're going to hear Jesus talked about. But the very thing that Jesus tells his disciples is going to be great to come. And the very thing that we see, the presence of God spurring on the people in the book of Acts that is so powerful and so important is almost completely forgotten. Chan says it this way. He says, what if you grew up on a desert island? and read nothing but the Bible? What if you just were on an island and you had read the book of Acts? Imagine being rescued after 20 years and attending a typical church. Chances are you'd be shocked. Having read the scriptures outside of context of contemporary church culture, you would be convinced that the Holy Spirit is essential to a believer's existence as air is to staying alive. You would know that the Spirit led the early Christians to do unexplainable things, to live lives that didn't make sense to the culture around them, and ultimately to spread the story of God's grace into the world. There's a big gap between what we read about the Holy Spirit and how most believers and churches operate today. Chan continues and says this, If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purpose, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which that has happened is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel with and in the church. We understand that something important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some have run away from the church and God's word completely. I think that's good and fair critique. We need to be spirit-led people and part of a church that leads people to be more in touch with God's spirit and presence. Could you allow God's spirit, even this week, to lead you, to ask questions about, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do in this moment? I've heard it said before that it's really hard to be intimate and have a relationship with God if all you do is just rely on yourself. It's really hard to have a connection with God's spirit and presence, which is so important for us if all you're doing is relying on yourself. Eric Liddell was a runner in the 1924 Olympics. Here's a picture of him. 
He is uh, part, one of the main characters in the movie Chariots of Fire, which uh, won the Oscar in 1981. And you might not be familiar with that name, but you're definitely familiar with the song. Dun, 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 dun. You know, like you can do, do that at home and, and finish that up. And Lydell's story is absolutely fascinating. What's really remarkable about it is just his testimony of faith, because he was the son of missionaries, and he was deeply convicted about his Christian faith, so much so that he actually struggled with his decision to run. Even though he was an incredibly gifted runner, he always wanted to make his relationship with Jesus Christ the priority of his life. So he wondered at times, should I actually be running? Is this what I'm called to do? Or should I focus more and more on the ministry to which I'm called to? But ultimately, he said he decided to run. And he ended up winning the gold medal in 1924 um, in one event and a bronze medal in another. And historians actually say he probably could have gotten another medal, but the qualifying races were on Sundays, and he refused to run on Sundays. But he got the gold medal, and he got a bronze medal, And he said one of the reasons that he decided to run is because he realized that when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. When he used his gift, he would feel God looking on and just saying, yep, it's a gift that I've given to you. Lydell, after the Olympics, ended up being a missionary and sadly, died in a Japanese internment camp in 1945. This story, I think, is a remarkable example of what it looks like to be a person who lives truly by the Spirit of God. When you are using your gifts in the world that God has given you, can you pause and say, when I'm using this gift, I experience the pleasure and the goodness of God. When you're going through hard times, things that are weaknesses, for you, can you recognize that God's presence is with you? Because this is the good news of the New Testament, is that you are never alone. That God's presence is with you, and you never are alone. God is here. You be filled with the Spirit, because the days are evil. There's hard things going on all the time. But can you be filled in a way that isn't about yourself? Can you be filled with the spirit and presence of God? I love how G.K. Chesterton says this. He says, How much larger would your life be if you could become smaller in it? How much bigger could the world be if you'd allow God to lead you, how much bigger could your experience be if you could become just a little bit smaller? May we allow the Spirit of God to lead us. Because the days are evil. This time is hard. But that doesn't mean that God has left you alone. This week, could you just ask a question, God, and maybe it's a hard relationship that you are going through. God, what are you calling me to do in this relationship? I'm just going to give it up to you. Oftentimes, we don't do that because we know that the answer is like forgiveness and love. So we're like, I don't really want to go there. 
could you say, God, I just want to have your heart and your mind as I think about that person or that situation. God, I want you to lead me. God, I want you to lead me as I think about the fact that I've kept my job and I'm thankful for it. And I want to use my money in such a way that it would honor you. God, can you lead me in that? God, I want to find a way to help out during this time. Can you lead me to think about something that I could volunteer at, give some of my time to? Or is there somebody that just comes to my mind that I need to encourage? Could you allow God's Spirit to lead you and to let that be the trajectory for your life? God, I want to grow more and more in this instead of pretending that there's going to be something else that's really going to get me happy. How much bigger could your world be if you were just a little bit smaller?